Hey guys, welcome back to Funny Blunt Truth. We're on episode 30. This is Dave. Don's on a podcast, of course. We have a special guest on Chad who served overseas. And on this episode, we're going to talk about what's going on over there as well as some other topics. Uh, Chad, you want to say hi to the listeners? Hey, everybody. All right. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> and, um, we talked about this all fair, but Chad, forgive like the dumb questions. It's, it's, it's for us and it's for the listeners. Cause like some, some of this, uh, info, like I don't know myself. So, uh, first question. Um, what does the term war on terror mean? Wh- who exactly are we fighting against? And this is for the listeners out there who have like no clue. Honestly, it's anybody who wants to do harm to Americans just because we're American. And I mean, I say that in the American sense, but that really just means like Western culture at the moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's not just like Islamic terrorism. There's just terrorism, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, America's kind of got the the lead role as being the cops of the world. And we're damned if we do, damned if we don't, you know? Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> Yeah, that's, that's a, <laughs> that's a whole other topic right there because, um, a lot of people like kind of have this sentiment where like, how many times have you heard this, Chad, where they say like, oh, we should mind our business. And that, that bugs me. I don't know how you feel about that because, um, I feel like in some, I mean, we do have to kind of be the big brother to like other countries at times because we have to just kind of keep an eye on shit. And, um, you know, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of bad going on in the world and like, what do you do? Do you like turn a blind eye to that and let them sort their stuff out? Some people, some countries can't. How do well, you feel? All right. So let's say you see something bad happening as you're walking down the street and you decide that you don't want to intervene. And later on you have that feeling like you wish you did, you know, like mm-hmm. I saw that homeless guy struggling on the side of the street. I could have gave him 20 bucks and helped him out for even just one day, mm-hmm. but I didn't. And I kind of wish I did. Mm-hmm. Now imagine 300 million Americans could help out just a few kids in Iraq right now that are getting beheaded because they're Christian. Mm-hmm. Are we supposed to regret not helping them or do we just help them? No, and I, 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 for one, I, I will help that kid every <clears throat> chance I get. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I agree with you, Chad. Um, Don, not to cut you off. I know you wanted to say something, but, uh, and I didn't even say this in the beginning of the episode. First of all, like, thank you for serving. Like, uh, you have nothing but respect coming from my end. Um, just thank you because people like you are the reason we have like the freedoms we have right now in this country. So, uh, Don, did you want to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. Uh, now we're not going to dig into details. Uh, but what branch of the military do you um, work for? I was in the Army National Guard. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to get that out there. No, I was just curious when you talk about, uh, you know, Islamic terrorism, beheading Christians, aren't they just beheading anybody who's not Muslim? Yeah. I mean, really, it's even like not like, even if they're not their particular sect of Islam, you know, like Sunnis and Shiites hate each other like the Israelis and the Palestinians. It's, it's, they're just looking for somebody to hate. That's all it feels like whenever you're over there. And you, and you talked earlier, too, about them not even attacking America. Because we've seen recently, you know, there was uh, a coffee bar in Australia with ISIS took over, somebody claiming ISIS. You know, uh, it, Turkey, I think Belgium, France, right? All these places are getting hit that uh, once seemed sacred that are now getting involved with it. Yeah, I really feel like ISIS is just a, a cult. 
Do you feel like they're they're enveloping more of the world? It's less like America versus terrorism now. It's more like the world versus terrorism. I don't. I'm not saying ISIS is a gang, but it's kind of the same mentality gangs had. They they need those people who are weak on their own to be a part of something bigger to be stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like there's people that just feel either disenfranchised of being American or being European or being surrounded by Christians, and and maybe that's ISIS is their outlet. Mm-hmm. Probably also, Chad, like it's a it's a fear thing too. You know, they probably intimidate them to join up and. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Do you think uh, Do you think that that uh, war on on terror or the the terror thing alone is being reported uh, properly throughout the media? Oh, absolutely not. No. And no. in what ways? I mean, honestly, the media's job is to make money, and right now right. I just feel like they're pandering to whatever makes them more money. <clears throat> Agreed. Yep, totally. It's all about the ratings. And, uh, I don't, I personally don't trust the media, like, at <laughs> all. You know, things are spun for, like, agendas. Don and I have talked about that on this show plenty of times. Many times, yeah. Many, many Yeah, times. because that's, that's the thing is when you own a business, and essentially a news corporation is a business, you're gonna go to whatever sells, you know, and if you own a business and, and let's say blue t-shirts sell, then all you're gonna do is produce blue t-shirts and you're gonna tell the world how they're that awesome. <laughs> And, you know, I feel like every news station has their own color of T-shirts, and it all comes with that agenda in mind just to sell, not with the actual ideology of truth anymore. I don't know if you feel the same way. It sounds like you do. I I, I honestly do. Like, I almost wish that, like, Fox News and CNN and MSNBC could all just merge and have, like, one just big gang (laughs) talk show where everybody can argue every point, and maybe, maybe then everybody can find their own truth. Right. <clears throat> so, um, Chad, going back to, uh, ISIS and, and these groups being like fanatics and like, you know, I, I, I agree with you, man. I think that they're just like complete psychopaths and, uh, it just, I don't like from a human humanity standpoint, I don't really, I can't even understand how like people can kill people like that, like behead them and, and the shit that they do over there. It's, it's, it's. It's fucking insane. It's like these people are not even like human, you know, like I can't even hurt an animal, let alone, let alone do something to a human being like that. So, and I know there's a lot of Muslims that, um, they're, they're very peaceful, you know, they have like a bad stigma because of like these like terrorists or maniacs. But, uh, these particular groups, I think they're just, they're just monsters, like pure evil. That's just my view anyway. It's honestly, I think it's just more like, a primitive culture in certain areas over there where that's the way they were raised. I mean, you grow up seeing, yeah, you grow up seeing this stuff and you just like can't help but to believe it. I mean, honestly, really who's to say that whoever is right. It's just how you grew up is what determines your right. Now, Chad, do you think that has something to do with the economy that people live in as well too? That's it's kind of funny. Um, from my experience over there, the happiest people didn't really have much money because they just kind of did their own thing, did what they needed to do to to sustain themselves, and they were happy. Um, I've been in a lot of villages, and I you know like small villages where these people live off the the grass that they pick with their bare hands, mm-hmm. and not a complaint from any of them. They were they were very gracious, offered us tea all the time. They always had smiles on their faces. Wow. So I, I don't buy into 
poverty causes hate thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that also. Um, I, uh, I didn't grow up like with a silver spoon in my mouth. You know, I, I, uh, at some points in my life growing up, I, you know, I had, I had more than enough, but my family went through some circumstances and, and, you know, we weren't doing well for like a little bit and it didn't make me a shitty person or hate the world. You know, it just kind of humbled me and, uh, made me a better person. So I agree with you on that also. But, uh, Don, do you have something? Cause I have another question. No, go for it, man. Okay. Um, so Chad, from your perspective, uh, how difficult is it to combat an enemy that, that kind of hides in the shadows uh, or could be anyone around you? It's honestly, it's not as, I don't know. For me, it wasn't very hard. Like it's very obvious who doesn't like you. They don't. They don't hide it very well. They have no poker faces. You can definitely tell who does not like you and who's cool with you being there. <laughs> um, and it's funny. You just, you can just be driving around in your MRAP and then all of a sudden realize, you know, there's no kids playing today. And that's when shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. So like that as was, soon as you utter those words, boom. I yeah. Hate. So, so no kids being around, that was kind of like a red flag in your head that some shit's going down. Oh my god, absolutely. Kids are your best intel over there, honestly. Okay. That's it. Wow, that's really interesting. It's something not a lot of people, uh, even think about or aware of, uh, about people, you know, the, the amount of information you pick up when you're in a, a hostile or potentially hostile environment. You know, it's almost like you have to be switched on 24-7 when you're out there, I would imagine. I mean, yeah, really you are. Even when you're like on downtime in your cop or fob or wherever you are, mm-hmm. um, that kind of tactical mindset's always there. Like, where am I going to go if there's incoming or if I start hearing gunshots, am I going to go get my gun or am I going to try to mount the 50 cal? It's, it's definitely always in your mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the, uh, the, um, the things that you guys have dealt with over there, anybody who served like overseas or in like any combat situation, like, I mean, I have no clue. I could kind of put myself there in a way. Um, but I, I mean, I will never have any idea unless I go over there and like serve and, and, and 99% of the people back here have no idea. So, I mean, it, like it personally pisses me off when I hear people, you know, shit on the whole mission of like the war on, war on terror and view it kind of like, you know, pointless. I mean, I don't view it pointless. Like if we, you're going back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the episode, if we turn a blind eye, we're going to be in a worse situation because we're going to let you know, certain groups kind of, um, build up plans and, 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 um, you know, with our presence over there, we could kind of curb things and, and keep an eye. So, and, and everybody who enlists, I mean, why do you even listen to military? You enlist because you're passionate about, you know, this country and, and, uh, and doing good. I mean, am I wrong on that? So for, for people to just like shit on the whole mission, you're like disrespecting everybody who, who has served or like died over there. Like it's, it's crazy to me. Well, everybody over here thinks of the mission globally. Um, when your actual boots are on the ground over there, you're not thinking global. You're thinking locally. You're thinking about, you know, what's happening, you know, a hundred yards, 500 yards, a mile away from you. You're not mm-hmm. seeing the whole picture. Um, you're not seeing that this girl's school that some, provincial reconstruction team help open is getting attacked every day by the Taliban. You're not seeing that um, people aren't safe voting democratically 
and they need to be protected. That was the mission I was concerned with. I wasn't concerned with um, regime change in Syria. I'm not concerned with, you know, how are we going to stop ISIS from selling oil? I was concerned with keeping the people safe where I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think just to jump in here? Do you think the the rules of war have changed since maybe let's say like World War II, where the enemy was more well known, or uh, it was a more of a, a direct thing, and less you know you're trying to stop sales of oil or whatever? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, globalization has changed things a lot. I mean, it's so easy to get information about certain places. It's definitely made the world smaller. That being said, the rules of war haven't really changed. There's a bad guy, get the bad guy. Get intel, find more bad guys. That's but but is it different in terms of like on the ground footwork too as well? So like you know we all watch History you, Channel at least. You mean when kind you of s- like a Vietnam situation, right, Don? Well, okay. or, or like like that, or or you know, and everybody knew Hitler was the bad guy. They were in trenches on one side, we were in trenches on the other. It just doesn't seem like it's that way anymore. It's guys hiding in buildings with cell phones now. I mean, it really depends on where we go. Um, Vietnam, World War Two, World War One, Korea, all those wars were very offensive wars. They were always attacking, always on the offensive. What we're doing right now is very defensive, just waiting to get hit. We're not super aggressive about finding the enemy, but we do go find the enemy when we can. Um, but most of um, most of what I experienced was, you know, getting hit and reacting. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad, I have another question for you. So, um, on a kind of like a positive note, so w- what progress have you have you seen personally uh, overseas in, in like the Middle East, and uh, how do we keep it that way um, going ahead? I think people are starting to get that little bit of sense of national pride, which didn't exist before. They were very tribal or sectarian, and now they're thinking more like you know, like I'm proud to be an American. That's not me saying I'm proud to be um, a New Englander. I'm not proud to be a Vermonter, I'm proud to be an American, and that's what they needed over there, is mm-hmm. that national pride to keep their country together. Mm-hmm. And I think you are actually starting to see that a little bit more since the beginning of the global war on terror. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Don, do you have something? Yeah, I was actually going to jump in here. To go um, completely past war, um, what do you think of current affairs with veterans, like getting benefits, how they're treated, Oh, I mean, obviously you can always do better. Um, I'm fortunate that we live in Vermont and we have one of the better VAs in the country in White River Junction. But, I mean, it, it can always be better. We need to I, – I, it's the stigma of seeking help when you need help is – it's just a hard wall to cross, and we're trying every day. I know I even still to this day talk to my Joes about, like, I don't care what you need. And I know I'm unapproachable sometimes, but if you need help, I will find you help. I will get you help. I will go with you. We just kind of need that camaraderie still. I think more internal than uh, than external. And even beyond that, like, I know I counted on TRICARE for a long time, which is a military-provided health care that you still have to pay for. Mm-hmm. But it used to be that there was like local offices and ever since the um, the Affordable Care Act, my local offices have gone away and there's a lot of questions you have about healthcare, especially with TRICARE. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to have those local professionals to help you out with it. And mm-hmm. 
to not have yeah. as. Dude, I, I have my uh, that Affordable Care Act. I know people are really split down the middle with that. Uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, that's something that's you know I remember before uh, before that came along, I didn't have insurance. And it was funny when it came along. I did have insurance. Actually, no, I didn't have insurance. Sorry, but I was paying a penalty for it. Um, so it was for me nothing changed because the coverage was so ostensibly expensive, uh, more than that penalty. But then it also didn't cover anything. So I'm like, why am I even going to get that? I'll just pay the 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 fee. So it's interesting to hear how it affected you guys as well too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I kind of I'm glad I still have Tricare. I can still get it. I just have to spend a lot of Time on the phone if I have questions about it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not gonna get into this whole thing because this could be like a whole episode in itself, but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not gonna shit on Obama, but, but it's like the whole Obamacare thing. Um, there's a lot of opinions on it. I, I personally think it, it's, it's not successful. That's just my opinion. I think there's a lot of things wrong with it and, uh, like, I think for not, certain people, certain people is probably certain successful. People, yeah, I understand what they were trying to do, but, you know, for, for one thing, like the penalties, that's ridiculous to me. Like that's coercion. I, and not to get like overly charged here, but when I didn't have insurance before because I couldn't afford it, and then I didn't have insurance but I had a bill to pay, that's coercion. As far as I'm concerned, now I didn't have any issue with it before until they started charging me. But sorry to go off on a rant. You continue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's uh, coercion. That's a strong word, but I think uh, it just wasn't really thought out hundred percent. And I, I I understand what they were trying to do, but. Uh, I'm personally just waiting for it to get like reversed. You know, whoever, whoever's, uh, the next president, like, and, and it's gonna, it's gonna get dropped 100%. That's my view. Um, same thing with the whole, and we're gonna get to this with the whole, uh, gun control and, and, uh, assault, you know, weapon ban. And we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so I got another question for you, Chad. Um, and you kind of touched on this already, but, uh, so how does the media, you know, exactly get things wrong. Is there anything that like stands out to you in particular? Um, there's a lot of negativity spun by the media. And, and again, like what stands out to you the most that you sit there and you just get pissed and you're like wrong, wrong. Um, so like I said, I have a lot of veteran buddies and I don't know a single one of us, even like new recruits who have never deployed before. I don't know a single one of us that isn't begging for a deployment right now. Like, we're all begging for that shot to go back overseas. And when I hear all this bring the troops home um, talk on the news, it to me it's like that's kind of the truth, but kind of mm-hmm. not. We all would volunteer in a heartbeat mm-hmm. if they told us we're going to go fight ISIS in Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan. We we are ready to go. you got to think, this the American military right now is – hands down the most capable military, especially with all of our experience right now. Mm-hmm. And I think the media kind of lost sight that it was a volunteer war. It wasn't, mm-hmm. nobody was drafted. Nobody was made to go against their will. There's even systems set up that if you really have a hardship at home, that we will contact people from other states <laughs> to come and fill, fill that slot. Mm-hmm. And that there's like a waiting list on that. Mm. And you, you have, I know in my unit, there's still, you know, at least 20 guys that are out of work right now and would jump at the chance to get deployed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's stuff you never hear about. Yeah, I mean, I definitely started my business off money I made on deployment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and the motivation to go back, um, it has to be, 
you know, based on like what you were touching on a little bit earlier in the show, you know, the, the, the good you guys are doing, not like on a broad scale, but like in, in each like little village, you know, like, uh, protecting a school, how you're like changing and saving lives over there. Um, but, uh, that's something you definitely don't hear in the, in the media that a huge majority of, um, of people who serve like want to go back. I mean, they, they do spin it in a way where, where, uh, not necessarily like it's, it's a lost cause or like a failure and so many, so many soldiers are, are like dying and, um, but they, they do spin it in a way where, um, nobody wants to be there. It's kind of like that vibe. And it's good to hear you say like, that's not even hundred percent accurate. So, uh, Don, do you have a question? No, I just thought it was interesting. That's all. Cause I, I don't really watch the news. I actually don't even have cable. I haven't had it for like two years. So all I hear is sparse and it's usually in like the break room at work. And, uh, I hear that argument all the time, bring the troops home, but I hear it from like both sides of the argument, like everybody. And I feel like now after hearing him say that about you saying, you know, basically we're on a waiting list and we want to go back. Uh, it, it sounds to me more like just an argument that the civilians are having amongst each other. Is that a fair assessment? Um, yeah, I would, I would say people who've never really been deployed or had to, you know, write that blank check to freedom mm-hmm. in a foreign land and, you know, like give our blood, sweat and tears for a cause and just watch, you know, somebody pull us out of Ramadi and then all of a sudden Ramadi's taken over by ISIS again. You know, that it's such a, it's such a shot to the nuts, really. <laughs> and for, and for the people listening, like you do know what you're talking about. You have a, a, a bunch of experience over there. Like I do want to lose stuff. No, yeah, I believe he said this off air, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Chad, Chad, where have you been deployed at? Um, Kuwait, southern Iraq, and Afghanistan. See, so like you're a so person, he knows his shit. He does. You know, <laughs> he's a person that's been there and done that, so he knows what the hell he's talking about. Um, on a more positive note, so um, Chad, can can you talk about um? an eye-opening or beautiful experience that, uh, that you went through over there with the people or culture. And, uh, like, I'm sure we, we must have like some support over there, right? Oh my God. There are so many pro American people over there. It's that kind of gets pushed to the wayside too, that a lot of people want us there. Um, I was in one village and, um, like I have a daughter and she's got dark complexion, brown eyes, dark hair. So every little girl I saw in Afghanistan, was my daughter. It, it looked just like my daughter. And whenever we roll into town, kids flock to us. We give them candy and whatever, like, you know, lickies and chewies we got. Mm. And this one little girl, I gave her, I think, just like a couple of, like, blow pops or something. And um, some boy knocked her the ground, took her lollipops, and took her shoes. Mm. And, like, I was like, I was flabbergasted because I feel like that only happened because I gave her lollipops. Well, mm-hmm. I waited till we we're just about to leave and um I brought a turp with me. We went to this little girl's house and I gave her dad twenty bucks to get her new shoes. Mm-hmm. And you know, he graciously accepted because that I mean one of the pillars of Islam is charity. Mm-hmm. And they give us a lot of cultural awareness classes before we go over there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I give the man twenty dollars and uh we disappear and it's probably two or three weeks later, we were back in the same village and the little girl, her dad, her mom, and two other siblings all had new shoes. Wow. And they brought us into the house and we we're drinking chai and just conversing and talking. And 
and they were asking questions about what it's like in America, and I was asking questions about what it's like there. And, and mm-hmm. honestly, that's one of those little memories that, mm-hmm. like, there's only a few people there for it, but that was my favorite things over there. That's beautiful, man. That's a beautiful story. <clears throat> and, you know, like, um, in my experience, it's like being on this earth. <laughs> I mean, I can pretty much mesh and like blend with with anybody i don't really care what somebody like believes in you know if if they believe in god if they don't believe in god like what god they follow like i I feel like we're all human beings and we all have like some kind of common ground and we all we all want the same things you know we we all love family um we pretty much we all want the same things and um hearing stories like that like that's definitely like beautiful don you got something no, I agree. That was a phenomenal story. It just makes me think too that, uh, you know, every time I watch, uh, um, movies about war, um, there's never any of that, at least that I feel I ever see in movies. You know, there's, there's hardly ever that, that kind of, uh, that kind of relationship building, that kinship that it's always about the stress of, of, you know, the next person coming around the corner with a bomb strapped to their chest. Um, that was a that was just a delightful story. Do you feel that that's most of the time you're out there is actually you guys just on patrol making friends? That's like maybe uh, you know three quarters of of what you do out there. Um, that's honestly a lot of what we do over there. Um, we call a lot of it key leader engagements, KLEs. Um, that's basically where you go to like whatever village elder and conversate with him and ask him you know what his concerns are and we you know give him what our concerns are and. While your um, while your um, platoon leader's taking care of that, you know we're keeping security around the village. We got kids walking up to us. We got people walking past us, and um, we we're, we still got that mentality that we got to keep security. But you can't help but to be engaged in their community too, because you're there. I mean, you're a visitor. You shouldn't just be this scary looking American. You need to be engaged. And I think that's kind of where like me as a National Guard soldier kind of stands out above like active duty military is that we are a part of a community, a civilian community where, you know, we have neighbors and friends and, and we engage constantly. So, um, I think a lot of our mission was just seeing people and helping people as much as we could. Hmm. The, um, one thing that I, that I had no clue about was the whole cultural awareness thing. Um, I think it's awesome that you guys have, have training with that when you get deployed somewhere. I had no idea you guys do that. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's actually kind of extensive. Like they gave us like certain phrases to remember and, um, a lot of us took it upon ourselves to kind of come up with classes to teach ourselves about, you know, um, the different, um, like Shiite Muslims and Sunni Muslims, what the difference was between the two. And, um, we even like, we had ter- interpreters. They are from <clears throat> Afghanistan. They will tell you everything that, um, you need to know and then some. So it's mm-hmm. asking questions is just the best way to, to figure it out over there. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Do you, do you feel now I was overseas? I told you this before air, but uh, listeners probably don't know. I, I spent some time overseas as independent, which just means I rode off the coattails of somebody else at a, on a military base. Um, but we went through cultural uh, learning as well too um, in, in Europe for uh, Italy, but it was never as intense as what you're talking about. Do you find that there's a difference between um, going into a hazardous area versus a non-hazardous area in the training that they give you? I mean, there definitely is like we weren't it wasn't so easy to like help women as it was to help men, obviously, because we're 
we were a combat unit and we were only guys. So, um, it was very tricky to like help a woman who had like a sprained ankle or a cut or something. Um, so it's, it's definitely a bit of a culture shock, but. Is there, is there something, are the, are the, uh, just out of curiosity, you brought up a good point about female, are, are women, uh, soldiers, do they have to act differently when they're over there in a country like, uh, that has, uh, Shiite law or, uh, Muslim country? Um, sometimes they'll wear just, um, a covering to cover their hair, not so much their face, but like Afghan women wear the, the face covering too. But I think our females, they definitely took, you know, a step, though not as an extreme a step as they could to be sensitive to that part of their culture. Chad, I have a, another question for you. So, um, I, I would like to know, what do you think is the root of the hate towards Americans in the U.S.? Is it kind of like a, a brainwashing thing at an early age? Um, I don't think it's very simple, honestly. I think... I think a lot of the reason that Taliban and ISIS has gained so much power is just for power and having, you know, a common enemy like the United States for them is just helping push their agenda. It's really just keeping the populace kind of blind to what's really going on to, you know, kind of force ISIS and Taliban and Al Qaeda's agenda on them. It's, It's really sad. I mean, I, there's a lot of people over that are illiterate. And if you're illiterate, you can't read the Quran. So you're basically getting your information about the Quran from somebody who's corrupt and, mm-hmm. yeah, and then not really giving you the truth. I mean, um, who's the, the girl from Pakistan that got shot in the head, Malala Yousafzai? Yeah, the student, she, right? She's been calling them out saying nothing that you preach is in the Quran and show me where it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, thumbs up to that girl because she's, she, yeah, she's, like, she's picking right, a definitely. pretty big fight and she's winning. So go her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like a, I mean, that's another thing. That's like a big misconception too, you know, really to me about like ignorant people who like view all Muslims as like, you know, uh, just twisted like fanatics. I mean, that's, you know, from my understanding, that's just not true. Like, it's like a peaceful oh, religion. That's absolutely, like, one of the biggest falses there is. Um, every house that I went into over there, I was welcomed with open arms. We had awesome conversations, very little frowns, more smiles. It was, it's, it's kind of weird to hear the news over here and then go over there and be blindsided by kindness. It's, it's it's a little frustrating. I mean, we have interpreters over there that grew up over there and now are in America and living free and happy. And honestly, that's like one of the best things I've seen. That's America's finest. We're a country of immigrants and, you know, we're bringing immigrants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So is, there's actually something, <clears throat> speaking of uh, the news, there's a huge conversation about immigration reform and uh, whether or not we should be allowing uh, people to emigrate into the country. And you're absolutely right. We're a country, you know, give me your tired, your weak, um, your poor. I can't remember. I don't think, I don't know if that's the exact way it goes. So don't quote me on it. I apologize. Um, but it's interesting hearing that from a service member. We are a country of immigrants. Um, but I do feel like that uh, immigration is kind of cannon fodder between uh, people here in the, in the, in the states, but it doesn't seem like that's the concern for you guys out there in deployment. I mean, honestly, there's a legal route. 
and that should be followed as as strictly as possible. I don't think we should just bring immigrants in, you know, 10,000 at a time just solely because we can. They still need to go through the same process as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think there's, like, adequate screening right now, Chad, or should it be more stringent? I, you know, it's it's hard to say. I'm not an expert on that, but, mm-hmm. I mean, if the government doesn't trust our background checks to give people guns, why are we trusting the background checks to bring people in from a, you know, war-torn country? Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. honestly... Imagine your country is just imploding and you're doing everything you can to keep your family safe and you're just hitting barrier after barrier. I, I think that's sad, but honestly, it's something I I really haven't made my mind up about yet. It's it's really hard. I mean, me, myself, I'm, you know, my family's half Irish, half Native American. Mm-hmm. It, it's like I'm half immigrant, half Native and. I'm, I, it really does. It tears me to pieces to try to, to figure this thing out. But I do think there's a legal way to get in the country and, you know, any way possible to keep it legal should be done. Do you think the legal processes are a bit too slow, maybe? Oh, I'm sure they're slow. Everything's slow right now. I mean, like, if you committed a crime, you're, you have the right to a speedy trial, but it's taken people two, three years to get their court dates. It's, um, it's, it's a system that definitely needs to be changed. Mm. And again, I'm not an expert, but it, it should happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's sad also like, um, every now and then you just hear like, just like pure ignorance from people, you know, like, let's just get everybody out, out our country. You know, we're letting everybody in. That's just ridiculous to me. Um, you know, like kind of like what you touched on, Chad, there's people going through, um, horrors you know like in other countries and and what's america is like the land of the free people want to come here to to have a better life and provide a better life for their family so as a you know from a human being standpoint why shouldn't it be allowed to do that so i don't i don't believe in like closing the borders altogether or making it so hard to come in here but um but they should be paying their taxes though right yeah they should <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know the system is not perfect um Certain things could definitely be tweaked, but I think, I think things are gonna happen, like, regardless, man. You can, like, get, you know, um, people can come in this country and there's always gonna be bad people that are gonna sneak in, you know? Like, there's nothing that's ever gonna be perfect, you know? It's like, um, the whole gun control thing, you know? I'm from Connecticut, so Connecticut has really strict, in my opinion, strict gun, gun laws. And I'm a, I'm a pro gun guy. Um, and, um, there, there are background checks in place. If you have certain things in your history, like a certain criminal uh, record, you can't get a gun. There's, there's certain filters in place already. And people are like, well, why do things still happen? Because you can't really predict crazy. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like shit's gonna happen. You're gonna have a hundred people and one person, statistically speaking, are probably gonna snap one day. Like, you can't, that's not a gun problem to me. That's not a gun, uh, law issue. Um, that's just kinda like one of those things where it, it's gonna happen. Um, and it's, I don't know. Go ahead, Chad. It's, it's human nature, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. you're just gonna snap someday, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, people who go bat shit crazy will do anything they can to go bat shit crazy. <laughs> Timothy Timothy McVeigh used a 
bomb made out of completely legal homemade substances to blow up a Fertilizer. building in Oklahoma City and kill 100, what was it, 186 people? It's more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think personally for me, I think going crazy is more of a, a societal thing that we have a lot of pressure on uh, on uh, individuals to keep performing, uh, which leads to that. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to the whole gun thing. How do you how do you feel specifically, Chad, about about uh, gun laws? Should we should we reform them? Should we increase them? Should we make them more relaxed? I think you need to enforce the ones you have now. That's the the real problem. I mean, states aren't talking to each other, and those are the ones who are coming up with the decisions if you can buy a gun or not. I mean, if you commit a crime in in Texas, is Texas going to share their crime stats with you know New Hampshire or Michigan and find out if that guy actually did have a felony in his record? Mm-hmm. I just I don't think you can. There needs to be like a central database of everybody's convictions and wrongdoings and whatnot. But mm-hmm. to to say you know we need more gun laws is. It's a bit crazy to me because yeah, <laughs> on, on top of adding laws, you've got to think laws cost money. Every law we add to the books costs money. And is mm-hmm. is it really helping anything? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been to gun shows in multiple states, bought guns in multiple states, and never once have I been able to get around a background check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's so true, man. Um I had to jump through so many hurdles. Uh, like I said, I'm a gun guy. I like going to the range. Um, you know, I think guns are like, um, they're, they're like a beautiful, uh, pieces of like machinery to me. Like they're, I, you know, I, engineering, I, engineering. I love, I love guns. Like, you know, you know, that, that's me. Um, but I had to jump through a lot of hurdles, you know, and you have to jump through a lot of hurdles to get like your concealed permit. I mean, it's pretty strict already, so I don't know how much stricter it can get without like infringing on our second amendment. It's just ridiculous to me. I think it's a lot of people not really understanding things, uh, just ignorance, uninformed, you know, the term assault weapon. It's, it's just crazy. The, the shit that you hear in the news and, uh, people feed into it, you know, and they get scared. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to stop ranting, but, and to me, it's like common sense. If you have a state that is, it's, not relaxed to the point where anybody could get a gun, but if you have a state that's like armed where the people can protect themselves and you have some lunatic go do something, I feel like instead of waiting for response time, you know, giving people the option to actually defend themselves, that's a good thing. It's kind of like the Orlando shooting. Uh, everybody was in that club just kind of in a corner praying, waiting to get shot. And it was, it's, it's sad, you know, nobody had a weapon to defend themselves, you know, in the whole club. Um, it's crazy. How do you feel about that, Chad? Well, uh, fortunately for me, I live in Vermont. Our gun laws are extremely lax. All you got to do is pass a background check, and you can carry a gun in your hip, in your car, anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I'm not I'm not super aware of, like, all those hurdles you got to um, jump to get a concealed carry permit. But mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's, it's a constitutional... Right. You know, like mm-hmm. every state in our union has ratified the Constitution of the United States. In that mm-hmm. is the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, we also have the right to due process. None, none of your rights can be taken away from you without due process. And by requiring a license and a background check, that's that's <clears throat> evading due process to a right you were issued in the Second Amendment. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody in Congress can like has the 
the uh, information that they can't change the Second Amendment. They can't take guns out of everybody's hands unless it passes Congress and three quarters of the states ratify it. That's mm -hmm. pretty much impossible. Yeah, the whole uh, <laughs> like I said, Chad, I'm from Connecticut, and um, I think the 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 um, the uh, the system, you know, in order to get like a concealed permit and the rules and and the laws. I mean, I think they're pretty strict already. It's so hard to get your concealed permit. Yeah, it's so easy to lose it. I mean, you can lose it in so many ways, like stupid ways. It's almost designed for you to like lose it. And it's crazy to me. Like you said, it's you're right. As long as you're not some kind of maniac or have like felonies, you know, violent crimes, I feel like it's your right. And to me, it's like it's like common sense, man. You got people, you know, you got. You got a state with like super strict gun laws where like nobody has a means to defend themselves and you have like somebody, some maniac, you know, running in some, some shop or like a movie theater about to shoot the place up. Nobody's armed. They can't do anything. But in a state where, where people are armed, I mean, I don't think <laughs> people are going to be as inclined to do bad when everybody around them is kind of packing. And if they're crazy enough to do something, they're going to get cut down right away. That, that's my thinking. Maybe I'm crazy, but um, I do want to I do want to transition here because I think we've covered the gun stuff. I did have some one last serious thing to ask before we move on to our our fun bits here. Um, when you're talking about uh, you know America and the Constitution and what do you think of of and I, I don't, again I don't watch news and I, I don't watch football but there's a there's a guy named Colin uh, you're gonna probably correct me on this Kirkpatrick or Kirkpatnick do you know who this guy is Dave Colin Kaepernick the quarterback for the 49ers right the guy who didn't stand yes. during the national anthem specifically to you in your just personal opinion how does that make you feel I honestly couldn't care less about Colin Kaepernick <laughs> I mean. If he sits or stands for, you know, the national anthem, that's his choice. Um, it's a choice I have too, and it's easier for me to make to stand up. Is that? But, do you, Do you have the idea that that's the freedom that you fought for? Is the idea that somebody can do that without repercussion? The Bill of Rights doesn't only work when it's good. You know, it works when it's bad too. Like anybody can say and do anything they want, just because they have the right. Um, I'm not saying I agree with his choice, but I just don't care what he does or doesn't do. Hey, hey, I mean, Don. Colin Kaepernick wasn't saving people in Louisiana when it was flooding. He's not on the streets of Detroit stopping gangbangers. He's a football player making millions of dollars a year. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, he's a non-contributing zero and doesn't deserve my time. I was going to say, uh, also, uh, uh, Taylor Swift and Tom Hiddleston broke up. How do you feel about that, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the I same think way. Taylor Swift's <laughs> gonna make a new album. He goes who and who? Exactly. <laughs> that, that's a new hit song right there. Um, uh, I, I am gonna bring it up to a lighter note because I do feel like we've covered a lot, and uh, you know, it's been a pretty heavy episode, but we appreciate you hanging with us, uh, uh, Chad. Absolutely. Um, because you know, we have a lot of these questions, and to discuss it amongst ourselves doesn't seem. Uh, very, very true. So we'd like to have somebody who's actually been in the field. Um, but I'm going to take you. Nobody, <laughs> nobody is free. Whenever they get on, we always do the rapid fire. Nobody can escape. So this is a quick this or that type thing. I'm going to ask you two things. I'll give you an example, and you just pick whatever you want. If you don't want to answer, you don't have to. You can pick <laughs> both, neither, whatever you want. Um, so like, I'll give you an example. I'll say beer, or liquor, and you'll say. Never been sicker, right? No, no. <laughs> I guess you could answer that way, but if you prefer which one, like, right now on the spot, which, which would you take? 
Beer. Beer. Okay. Do you have a specific kind you like? I am a Sam Adams guy. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I've never really been into get, get into them. They, they're always just a bit too bitter for me, honestly, but, um, good beer all the same. Uh, minivan or regular car, sedan car? Sedan car. Wow. Not the minivan guy. Dogs or cats? Dogs. That was easy. <laughs> yeah, Would you rather... well, if we're in the battlefield, I know you never hear anybody say I wish I had a cat. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen any service though, Chad. cats. <laughs> Chad, what if you did? What if what if something was happening? Some dudes like, "Where's mittens?" <laughs> like, yeah, Wait, what? <laughs> I just got mittens. this mental image of like a cat, like on the battlefield, you know, sniffing the box and shit. Meow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Would you rather receive a text uh, message or a phone call? Phone call. Okay, you have one band that you can listen to forever, and only between these two, you have Leonard Skinnerd or Michael Jackson. Skinnerd. Mm. Would you rather prefer uh, to see Bigfoot or the Loch Ness monster? Loch Ness monster. Okay, would you rather be deep sea fishing or hunting in the mountains? Mountains. That was pretty easy. Um, tropical island or snow capped mountain? Snow capped mountain. Wow. You're one of like three people that have ever said that. Almost everybody goes to Tropical Island. All right. And the last one, which is going to be kind of the goofy one here. Would you rather fight, would, <laughs> would you rather fight one 12 foot ninja or 12 one foot ninjas? Oh, geez. That's actually a hard one. I would challenge, <laughs> I want to say that I would pick the more challenging one and that'd be one 12 foot ninja. <laughs> that would be pretty badass. How do you think you would go about taking them out? Just out of curiosity. I had military training or was it just be just mow them down like Indiana Jones? In the army, we have a um, (laughs) kind of like a three to one um, ratio of it take. We want three of us against one of them. So I will just take three guns and he can have his one sword. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Fair enough. Don, you good with the rapid fires or? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) That was the short and sweet version. That was the. uh, (laughs) Yeah. All right, Chad. So I only got a few more questions. You've been really gracious, like with your time, and I and I hate to. This is kind of a more serious episode. I hate to kind of bring it back down after rapid fire, but um, real quick. So recently, like um, I participated in the the twenty two push up challenge to raise awareness for veteran suicides. Twenty two vets commit suicide daily. That's something that I that I was not aware of, and I came across the challenge on Facebook. Um, that's a really sad problem to say the least. Uh, how do you think we can like fix that, Chad? I've, uh, I've lost a few buddies to suicide. Um, the only thing I'm going to say about the 22 a day is that statistic is a few years old and I'm sure the numbers changed since then. Um, for me, like I had some depression overseas, but that was due to personal issues at home more than issues of being overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a lot of the problem with a lot of guys. I don't know if you're familiar with who Jody is, but Jody's the guy that's taking care of your wife while you're overseas. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, that definitely plays a role in, in, in people's mentalities overseas. And mm-hmm. even aside from that, I definitely had some depression when I came back. And when you're overseas, like I was a demolitions guy, I was the designated marksman, site exploitation, uh, bats hide guy, biometrics. I was in charge of a lot of stuff. Anytime we planned a mission, my input was required. Um, everybody on my team, my squad, my platoon, everybody was equally as important. 
everybody had a say at the end of every mission. We did a, a after action review and, and everybody's input was included into that and used for the next mission. So everybody was of the utmost importance. Everybody's life hinged on somebody else's actions and you, you have that, that sense of purpose when you're overseas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys came home. And they started the jobs where they're at the bottom of the totem pole and your boss couldn't give any less a fuck of what your input was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody, almost nobody cared, mm-hmm. you know, what you did while you were home and you lost that sense of purpose. And I think that sense of purpose is really what drove a lot of the, the combat and depression at home. You, and you, go ahead, Chad. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. Um, I just do whatever I can to spot. Guys having issues and, mm-hmm. you know, let them know that I've had issues too and mm-hmm. I'll help you if I can and go with you if I can. Mm-hmm. And I think we're actually getting a lot better at that. So when I hear that 22 a day, I don't think it's accurate. I'd like mm-hmm. to see a study done now. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of the stigma has gone away about, you know, reporting your mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Chad, where you mentioned it, it brings me to like, like I'm a big movie guy and, uh, I think, uh, it is going to sound funny, but I actually think the movie, uh, Rambo, the first one with Sylvester Stallone actually kind of, it's actually called kinda, first blood. First blood. You're right. Oh. <laughs> you're right. Oh, correct oh, the movie guy. Oh you my just God. Got shown up I just got shut down. Let the me, movie. The movie guy. Let, let me tell down. you, Chad, I also do two movie review podcasts. You just shut me down. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, first Blood, you're right. That was like sniper precision, dude. It's called First Blood. First Blood, he got me. Boom. Damn, um, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I had to, uh, well, I said Rambo because I wasn't sure if he knew it was called First Blood. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh, That's my uh-huh. excuse. Everybody knows Rambo. Um, but the, the, the movie First Blood, I think really, like it really touches on that. Like, cause Stallone was like somebody who was of importance, like when he was like deployed and, and like you said, like you got guys operating like multi-million dollar like vehicles, like tanks, like doing really important, you know, jobs where like lives are on the line and they come back over here and then they can't even get like a solid job and like no respect. And that has to definitely do something to you psychologically. So I, I definitely could, I get that. It's it's interesting to hear because I think a lot of people imagine PTSD is, is again, like what I said, what we've seen in TVs and movies where it's just from, uh, you know, firefights and, and bombs and stuff like that, which I'm sure a good portion is. Um, but like you were saying, 90% of the time you're out there, you're doing goodwill stuff, but you're, you're important, you're involved, you know, you're in the mission debriefings, you're part of a team that's actually making a difference. And it's interesting to hear you say that when they come back, you feel like a lot of the issue is that you just don't have that anymore. You know, you go from being the important dude, you have decisions to make, you, you know, things hanging on your shoulders and then you go into the nine to five and you're just sitting in traffic like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think there's actually, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Orange is the New Black on Netflix. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar. I've never seen an episode. Yeah. I heard it's good though. Watched it. My watch wife, no, my wife watches it. Sorry. She loves it. <laughs> well, they just introduced a group of, um, veteran corrections officers in the show mm-hmm. and i watched that and i was like if that's what the writers of that show think veterans are like i am extremely disappointed because <laughs> they portray one guy as a psycho that's always trying to get the the inmates fighting and other guys an alcoholic one's like you know just a big dude that only drinks beer all the time and plays video games and yeah like 
I think veterans are on it. Like, as far as my buddies go, we're like some of the most engaging people that I know of. Mm-hmm. And we're like always the first to help. We've got, you know, volunteer firefighters and like I, I've even worked with Habitat for Humanity for years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the veterans that I know are like. I'm sure there are some that just, you know, wires got crossed and they can't get their heads right, but those are the guys that we're trying to identify and fix. I, I honestly think, though, you can take – because me, myself, I'm a cinephile as well as Dave. We both are obsessed with movies. And we both partook in the other stuff. Um, and I actually didn't even know it was First Blood either, so uh, – <laughs> or didn't remember. But um, the thing with movies, at least for me, and I have an issue with some of the military stuff, and that's why I kept bringing it up is because I think it's not properly portrayed in movies. I think there's one specific, you know, thing – Excuse me, not just in movies and TV shows as well, too. One specific facet of the job that gets portrayed over and over and over again. And, you know, they want to show people coming back with PTSD maybe, or like you said, they're crazy or they're, they're alcoholics and, and, you know, that's just not the truth. But you kind of, at least for me, and this is again why I make this distinction, I don't really take any inspirations from Hollywood in that respect as to what people are actually like, because a lot of times they use that freedom of, uh, what do you call it, uh, indulge a bit, um, you know, that, uh, kind creative of fashion. freedom. Creative freedom. There you go. Thank yeah. you. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things I, you know, I wouldn't even, for me at least, I wouldn't pay attention. I wouldn't even make that connection, but I do feel it's unfortunate that a lot of that is portrayed that way, especially like when, you know, you watch wartime movies and it's not about peace and going into your neighbor's house. And like you said, drinking chai, it's always about, you know, the bomb's going to go off. It's crazy. 24 <laughs> seven. Yeah. So, yeah. There is a lot of tomfoolery over there though. Like we are probably some of the most homoerotic, disgusting <laughs> pigs when we're That's talking funny. to each other, like on our downtime. Yeah. And like, we, like, and we had a prayer before every mission. I know my platoon did. We had a prayer before every mission. Instead of saying amen, we said chicks dig scars. <laughs> and, and like, right down to like, you're supposed to wear PPE. You're supposed to wear gloves, eye pro, ear pro when you're out on mission. But we called gloves bitch mittens. Um, <laughs> the only time you were allowed to wear eye pros if they were actually sunglasses and you're just sick of the sun blinding you. And I, I talking, never wore PP. <laughs> like, ever. you're talking personal protective equipment for those. Who yeah. Know, right. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So what's, what's like the wildest thing you guys have ever done? It sounds like you're almost like a band, you know, like what, when you get, when you're over there and you're in the barracks or whatever it is, what's the, like the craziest shit you've ever seen or gotten into in terms of like fun, wacky guys being crazy? Oh my Pranking. god. So, I was a demo guy. Me and, me and another guy, Gary, we were, we were in charge of all the C4, TNT, ammonium nitrate cratering charges. I mean, yeah. I could blow a hole big enough to sink the Eiffel Tower with what I had on my, oh my, on my cop. And, uh, <laughs> our cop ended up getting shut down and we were moved to a different location, but a lot of our C4 was about to go past its stable date and, uh, a lot of it was off the books. Um, so <laughs> I see where this of, is going. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't transport it, so we had to blow it. And um, we honestly, we just didn't have the room to move it, so we had to blow it. But I had two cratering charges and four sticks of C4, and and we prepped it and wrapped it and taped it and made it completely waterproof. Mm-hmm. Now behind our cop was like a three mile lake, and mm-hmm. we dropped that cratering charge into the lake. It's probably like 12 feet deep and we blew it up and it made a column of water like 400 feet into the sky. And it was <laughs> the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I've seen some shit. Damn, Pete but, is not going to love this. The fishes, Chad, the fishes. 
<laughs> and that's the thing. There weren't very many fish in there because it was a glacial runoff lake. <laughs> that's like a Michael Bay movie at your uh, at your camp. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> I think, honestly, that, like, because we had, like, this big mountain. We called it the Gar, and that's where we shot at. There's, like, tank holes and helicopter <laughs> holes that were all shelled out. And that's where we'd shoot and, you know, test our demo knowledge and come up with creative ideas to, you know, blow holes and things. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that's awesome. The the amount of time we spent out there and learning how to do what we did, I think, kept our comp from ever getting attacked. We never took contact once. Mm-hmm. They probably scared you. <laughs> they're scared shitless of you guys. <laughs> I, they're like, look, they're just blowing up the lake. <laughs> I mean, serious, like, like, what else do they have? You know, they're making fireballs 100 feet into the air. This is nuts, so. Hey, hey, Chad, um, I don't know if this is, like, something that's Photoshop, but I saw some crazy shit on the Internet. It was, like, a picture of, like, a fucking, it looked like a spider scorpion thing, huge. Camel, camel spider, camel spider. Dude, it, it, I mean, is Are this thing real? for real? Camel spiders exist. I haven't really seen a big one, and I'm not 100% sure they get that big. Um, they're actually not even spiders because they've got 10 legs. I think they're called like an anthropod or something like that. But mm-hmm. the reason that they scare a lot of guys is because they're trying to stay in your shadow. So it seems like they're chasing you, but they're just mm-hmm. trying to get out of the sun mm-hmm. and, and they jump. I mean, we used to catch camel spiders and scorpions and let them duke it out in shoe boxes and stuff. Um, it was like the bug UFC over there. That's oh, cool. absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Jeez, don't, I, don't. Don't Google image it. Jeez, man. There's a lot of, like, horrific spider bites that eat out your skin. No, I, I mean, oh. I've, I've mentioned this tons of times. I, I, you know, I have an issue with spiders. I got bit by one. It jacked me up for like three weeks. It was, it was as bad. So, so like spiders, uh, definitely like kind of a mini phobia. So I probably would die if I saw that in person. So you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be worried about going overseas, Dave. You'd be worried about the spiders. <laughs> <clears throat> Afghanistan doesn't have a lot of poisonous stuff. I mean, your elevation's up there, so a lot of bugs don't, you know, yeah. crawl around or fly. There's no mosquitoes, which is awesome. What, what's yeah. the craziest animal you've ever experienced over there? In anywhere Afghanistan, it wasn't that bad. Like it's like in, in Afghanistan, it's the fighting dogs that they just like let go free. You know, like yeah, you fought, you did well, go ahead and be free. Mm-hmm. But um. They were very aggressive until we we actually had one. We called him Zeus because he was huge. Hmm. But we finally warmed him up to us. We'd throw him food 20 feet away, and he finally worked up close to us. And, hmm. you know, we'd feed him, and he finally let us pet him, and he became, like, the best dog ever. That's and cool. would growl any time an Afghan would show up. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's for me... What kind of, what are you talking about dog fighting? Do they actually have like an underground, like, uh, money making thing out there with that? Like, that's it's, something I've never heard of. It's not underground. They do it right on the side of the road. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen quite a few of them. What, what dog would you say? What breed dog do they typically use? The only reason I ask is because here in the States, we have a big issue with, uh, with breed specific legislation. It's something that I'm, I'm very active in. Yeah. <laughs> um. <Excuse. coughs> I wouldn't pin it on any one kind of breed. That's pretty much mutts where I was. It's, you're in the third world. They're not going to have like pit bulls and Rottweilers. It's, so they're just using whatever dogs they can get, and when they're done, they throw them to the wayside, I guess? Pretty, yeah, pretty much the biggest ones. I mean, you see a lot of dogs with their ears shoot off, scars all over their necks, and mm. that's that's what Zeus was. He had no ears. His tail was bitten off and Dang. scars on his neck. 
But you guys, you guys turned him. That's interesting because a lot of times they'll say like those dogs are inherently bad, and uh, we try to disprove that all the time. And I think you're a shining example of that. You know, you guys took time, you warmed up to him, and then he became a loyal friend. And I'll tell you what, dude. Just recently, we adopted our third one. Not like we should have, but we did. Um, <clears throat> and he had a pretty terrible life. The first year of his life, he was chained to a, a fence post outside in the Florida sun. And he's got permanent scars all over his neck. He's missing a chunk of his ear. He uh, he ended up getting his leg broken, and it refused incorrectly. And this is a, as a puppy. All this stuff happened. And at like a year old, they dumped him off with teeth rotting. and They had to amputate the leg. But I'll tell you what, like he was so crazy, they said nobody can adopt him. So, of course, we were stupid, and we took him in. And he is the most dedicated dog to our our, our, our household you have ever met like those. So it's interesting when you say that it was the same thing, even out in Afghanistan, somebody else would come by, he would let you know right away. Yeah. I definitely think positivity is a force multiplier. I mean, if you treat animals right, they will be very right. Mm. Um, I have two dogs and two cats and they're like the best animals in the world. Same here. Same here. Same numbers too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think the whole animal-specific legislation is just such a misfire. Uh, You're telling me, man. I I could go on for years about BSL and how bad that is. The only time I've ever been attacked by a dog was a fucking chihuahua. I swear to God. (laughs) (laughs) The only time. (laughs) I've been attacked by animals, but I can't let it scare me. Right. Yeah, I've been bitten by dogs, too, um, but I'm not afraid of dogs. I love animals, and I agree with you, Chad. Like, it's all how you treat them and stuff. You show them love, they're going to give you love back. And the whole the whole stigma with pit bulls is just like with anything. Like it's like the media. The media, you know, oh, they just, just perpetuate. Yeah, they just put that shit out there, and people get scared, and and they're you know misinformed. Uh, it's like the whole uh, guns, assault weapons. You know, people don't even understand what that really means, but they just go with it. Oh, so ban the assault weapons. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. ban pit bulls. <laughs> I think yeah, I just terrible. saw a piece of news that a certain state, I think it was a certain state, and I'm not sure which state it is, but made crimes against animals equal to crimes against people. Beautiful. Good. Good. I think that's on point. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, go ahead, Don. Yeah. No, no, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. I always think animals are the innocents, and they just get caught up in, in human endeavors and human fuck-ups. So, yeah, I agree yeah, with that. People, but then, mm-hmm. sorry, continue on, sorry. No, I was going to say people who hurt animals or children are the lowest scum of the earth. Like, that's my opinion. Um, but go ahead, Don. Yeah, no, I was just saying there's that. And then it's funny because then you have the counter, which is areas um, constantly banning breeds. Like, you have cities banning entire breeds of a dog, which is really just stupid. You should really just ban the human. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's terrible, one. But that is kind of the beauty of America is local legislators are responsible for their own laws. If you don't like that they ban this breed here, go live somewhere else. It's it's kind of like capitalism at its best, sort of. Is you don't like it here, go here. You don't like it here, go there. You know, it's, for me, I, I do have some issue with that because you're infringing upon other people that may not be having an issue. Like we have three adopted 50 pound pit bulls that wouldn't harm a fly. Yeah, I love pit bulls. <laughs> and and to have an entire city gang up against you, you're like, hey man, you guys have all been misinformed. It's kind of to me, to me that the banning of, of of dogs and stuff like that is very akin to the to the banning <laughs> of, of of guns. I mean, it's it's like you know, you guys very were saying similar. it's like well. One, oh, one lunatic, you know, one, one lunatic has, you know, like that football player, whatever the hell his name was, Vic. Michael Vic, um, yeah. Yeah, he had a whole bunch and everybody, every one of us that's ever invested into, uh, anti 
breed-specific legislation, sits back and goes, well, shit, man, that's just 10 steps backwards now, you know? And and 10 years ago, it was Rottweilers, and before that, it was German Shepherds, so... Mm-hmm. That's so, not yeah, all German Shepherds. I'm going to start campaigning Chihuahuas as evil, nasty creatures. We should, <laughs> well, we should just please, ban please them. Please don't do that, because I have a Chihuahua. <laughs> Don, um... No, Don, you're, you're I'm joking, are... joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think banning of any dogs is good. Absolutely. Any yeah, animal, really, but... Your dogs are sweethearts, man. Um, Kepler, he's the kiss rapist. Yeah, he's <laughs> gonna tell Chad about that one. Our 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 dogs are lovers, definitely, and not fighters. At They'll least not take the a humans. kiss from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah they they're a bit over overzealous when it comes to uh, making out. Yeah. Oh yeah, our but, dogs um, are too. Like, I have a border collie that will like bathe me. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem we have with uh, Kepler, which is a dog. Um, uh, Dave is talking about is that we actually have to stop him at some point because he won't stop himself from showing love, and we're like, okay, dude, okay, 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 you know yeah. that type of thing. Yeah, he's so. adorable, man. He's all white. Um, <clears throat> Kepler, so is that after Johann Kepler? Oh my man! So few yeah. people pick up on that. The guy who founded the laws of planetary motion. Yes, yeah. Johannes Kepler. Thank you. So am I, am I being replaced on a podcast, Don? Yeah. <laughs> is that what's happening right now? Well, no, you know, what's interesting is that Chad mentioned that because, uh, you know, I would say I talk to my dogs about everybody and maybe only about three people ever have picked up on the fact that he's a former, uh, uh, uh scientist, sorry. Um, the name, honestly, I wanted to name him CERN, but my wife was like, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> fucking name it up, hey, I, hey, I said science dude, so I was pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's interesting side story here, Chad. I'm glad that you actually brought this up. So Johannes Kepler, for anybody who, who doesn't know, was not a good looking man. He suffered a terrible <laughs> life. His wife and, and his kids, I believe, all died from the plague or something like that. Um, and it took him years and years and years, like 20 years of his life, dedicated to finding out why the planets move and the motions they do. Our dog, handsome dog, lives a lavish lifestyle, dumb as a box of rocks. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you couldn't get further from, you know, the original inspiration if you, you know, paid us to. So I really appreciate that you knew that, Chad, by the way. I'm a physics buff, so... I'm looking at him right now. It kind of looks like an older Orlando Bloom. <laughs> well, I've never heard that before. <laughs> you heard funny. it here. All right. So, um, Chad, we're kind of creeping up at the end of the show. Um, I just want to uh, thank you for being on. And, uh, like, in closing, do you have anything you want to say to, like, the listeners out there? Anything on your mind? Honestly, I, you know, like, I'm still forming opinions and stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm – a little disheartened at the the political race for president right now. Yeah, yeah tell and me a lot of people are. And I I found a website and actually I'm a Gary Johnson supporter. Okay. And I, I know he just got a little bit of flack for not knowing where Aleppo was. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure he knows that C stands for classified and that building a wall is probably the worst idea to stop Mexicans, but <laughs> he, yeah, he, it, Go ahead, go ahead. Well, you know what they say, you build a 30-foot wall, you're going to increase sales of 31-foot ladders. <laughs> I know, right? It just trips um, me out that we got a guy running that was a Simpsons <laughs> joke. He was a joke on yeah. The Simpsons, Donald Trump. It's, it's crazy to me. But so, Chad, not to Hillary Clinton was in South Park, so. Yeah. It, <laughs> who's, this, who's this Gary guy again? What's his uh, – So Gary Johnson, he was a Republican governor of New Mexico that is now libertarian. And uh, 
his platform is he's fiscally conservative, socially liberal. So he's very, you know, pro-choice, pro-LGBT. Um, <laughs> however, that being said, he also thinks the government is going way above and beyond its role. Um, I think he realizes that um, a lot of the issues that are being discussed nationally should be um, – what's the word I'm looking for? They should be figured out locally, like – States are supposed to have the power, not the country. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's really kind of the common sense approach to figuring that out. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about uh, fixing things locally. Do you mean uh, very similar to, or don't mean very similar to, do you mean like uh, kind of like, I guess it is similar to like the marijuana laws right now where it's illegal by the federal government, but then states are doing it and then it creates this kind of confusion as to what the fuck is going on. Yeah, the government has no place telling you who you can marry, what bathroom to use, what, you know, perfectly organic natural plants you can inhale in your body while they're on fire. Um, he, he knows that and he's, I think, one of the best spearheads to, uh, to make that happen. <clears throat> Don, you have something? No, I just want to thank Chad for being on, all service members for going out there and doing what they do. You know, we, we might sensationalize some things or, uh, embellish during the podcast in previous times that never detracts from, uh, the people who go out there and, uh, commit their lives to this stuff. So, uh, kudos to you, Chad. Thank you. And, thank you. uh, thank you for being on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no problem. Um, thanks for being on, Chad, again. And, um, thank you for serving. I mean, people like you are the reason we have the freedoms that we have, you know, brave people like you. And, got, and the soldiers who served under you too, by the way, and around you. Yep. I just wanted to throw them in there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The guys are what make it great. Um, I just want to say one thing in closing. Uh, today marks the 15th anniversary of 9-11. So never forget. And um, one point I want to make is like, I think we should, everybody should treat each other, you know, um, we should all be united every day, not just on anniversaries or like on holidays. So it was like a beautiful thing that occurred from tragedy. And I just wanted to make mention of the anniversary. So um, that's going to wrap up episode 30. Uh, do you want to plug anything, Don? Uh, <laughs> iTunes. Uh, this is where we do our shameless plugs, by the way. Uh, you, what is it? Twitter, iTunes, Instagram, Funny Blunt Truth Podcast. Uh, like and subscribe on uh, iTunes if you can. That really helps us out a lot. Interact with us on other channels. Tell us what we're doing great. Uh, or if we're doing anything wrong, just address it to Dave again. Um, <laughs> so I get all the hate. And if you have anything that's really bad, it's uh, funny blunt truth podcast at gmail.com. Attention, Dave. Uh, <laughs> other than that, though, yeah, thanks for tuning in. What episode are we on, Dave? 30. 30. All right. Well, for our special guest, uh, service member Chad, uh, Dave, myself, Don, that wraps up episode 30 on Funny Blunt Truth. We'll see you guys on the next one. <laughs>